They're going to try to push your buttons. They're going to try to see if I, especially the more comfortable they get. And we actually see it about the six month mark. Okay. Uh, historically, and there's a lot of data to prove this, at least from our time in SYP, mm-hmm. there's something about the six month mark that usually leads to like some type of either altercation, major like behavior changes because mm-hmm. they, they're they starting to feel safe. They're starting to feel comfortable. The honeymoon phases wore off and they're like, I wanna see if I'm really safe. Well, welcome to Family Care Learning. My name is Scott, and I am the training manager here for the agency for Christian Family Care. And we are so excited to have with us today Justin Story, and he's going to share us a little bit about working with teenagers, and uh, not just teenagers, but teenagers that are in foster care or maybe have had some trauma or some kind of abuse or neglect in their lives. And so we're going to learn a little bit about that today. And so first of all, I'm going to do is just have you tell us about a little bit about you and what yeah. you do here at CFC and, uh, and with teenagers. Yeah, uh, I am in the uh, Youth Permanency Division here right. at CFC. I am right. a child-specific recruiter and youth advocate. I've uh, been doing that for the last two years, and I am a foster parent uh, and adoptive parent, so I've been doing that for the last, like, oh, my little girl's going to be eight this year, or she just turned eight, so wow. I've been doing that for about eight years. Wow. Uh, and then I've been a youth pastor uh, up until I started here for the last uh, 14 years before starting here. So exactly. I like pretty much have worked with high, like teenagers, specifically mm-hmm. high schoolers since, um, since I was 19 or 18. Yeah. So yeah. half yeah. my life now, cause I'm just turned yeah. 32. So exactly. half my life has been devoted to, <laughs> to working, working with, with teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, now you're working with teenagers that come from difficult places and, yeah. and, and so the, you know, work, working with teenagers can be rewarding and it can be challenging. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's rewarding things obviously, but, yeah, but there's, there's really there's rewarding of, things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there are challenging things too, but then now you put in the mix of a child or a teenager that came from a difficult childhood or been Mm -hmm. abused, neglected or abandoned. Mm -hmm. Now you've talked, now we're dealing with a child that's a teenager. Sorry. keep seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's dealing with those issues. So I want to talk today about maybe some of those challenges. Maybe you can share with us and give us maybe like, you know, a couple of categories or a couple, what are some of the challenges that surface to the top for those kind of teenagers? I think one of the biggest challenges as I talk with people about like specifically teenagers um, is obviously trauma. One Mm -hmm. big issue is trauma Mm -hmm. and like trauma manifests itself in such weird ways. And like we've seen it with our little girl. Um, We're seeing it with our 17 year old that we have living with us currently that we're Mm -hmm. trying to help launch into adulthood. is trauma everything I know about parenting and like what I want to do as a parent, you know, cause our, our biological oldest is 12, like, okay. and obviously I've been a, you know, high school pastor, you know, for forever. And like all the advice I would give parents, like it almost kind of like flips itself on its head when trauma is involved, because yeah. like everything I want to do doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Like with our little girl, like taking away privileges, like she's like, I don't care. Like we literally at one point had her down to, uh, she had in her room, it was like prison. She had a room with nothing in it and a mattress, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know? And still she's like, I don't care. Right. Whereas like 
time like so like that was like time out right but like time in was actually a more effective that doesn't make sense like oh you're gonna get rewarded by getting to spend all of your free time with me that was actually more like got her back on track quicker Mm -hmm. because of her trauma Mm -hmm. right and so like Mm -hmm. she just has a very different and so like that's like the biggest thing is like trauma presents itself in weird ways and i always tell people like and trauma makes them do really stupid things mm-hmm. like stupid things You're like they have it so good here i don't get why they're self-sabotaging like mm-hmm. why are they doing this mm-hmm. like <laughs> i always go back to jurassic park uh the first jurassic park okay. the classic one right yeah, where they're in the yeah. raptor cage and oh, they're yeah. like why are they running into the fences? He's like, they're testing it for weak spots. Uh, right? That's, that's, that's what good. they're doing. Like they want, they are testing you for weak spots. Yeah. And they're also trying to see, like they will say some of the like most outlandish, probably not very true, maybe somewhat <laughs> like in truth of something that they've gone through. Mm-hmm. They will say something so out, out there to see if, are you going to leave? Yeah. Are you going to still love me? Yeah. Are you going to leave? Are you going to? Yeah. And so like, and they're also trying to get a reaction. Like if you like, they want to see like, will you react? Like, I mean, I just had a kid the other day. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, last night I did acid and I put the, I put it in my eye and I'm like, that's <laughs> a, I'm not like, that's not how you do acid. Right. For, first of all, like, not that I've ever done acid, but like, right. I'm pretty sure that's not how you do it. I'm so like, sure that might really so I'm pretty sure you. you're lying. And I'm just, I know you're just trying to invoke something in me. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's cool. And he's like, I could tell oh, yeah. he, he didn't get the reaction <laughs> he, said, okay, he wanted. Cool. <laughs> and so like if you like if you give them that, they'll run with it, right? Yeah. They'll they'll yeah. start storytelling. If you yeah. just like don't let it like get you, like yeah. then all of a sudden you can kind of redirect and get them back on that path. And yeah. That trauma's just gonna come out differently. Like our 17-year-old can get really heated really fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that has something to do with different trauma she's been in, different scenarios. And you just kind of let I just and like if if I start getting worked up or or like aggressive or like yeah. start raising my tone, then I'm just gonna escalate the situation. And so I just like, hey, yeah, like you're angry, like I get it, like yeah. I, I'm angry for you. And then it's like, like calms it back down. And so trauma is just this weird beast that mm-hmm. manifests itself differently in in our in our older daughter than mm-hmm. than our younger daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously doesn't yeah, manifest itself in our biological kids because, okay. I mean, they, we all have trauma, but their trauma is different. Yeah. And so it manifests itself differently in all of our, mm-hmm. in all of our kids. And so. Yeah. Now, now, so your, your eight year old, uh, was in the foster care system and it was adopted yeah. and your 17 year old, same thing. So they, yeah. so they've experienced different trauma, yep. but trauma. Trauma, and, and, nonetheless. And you raised your twelve-year-old. So, yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh, how does how does a parent identify that trauma? How are they going to know if what they're doing is because of trauma or not? I mean, obviously, if they come out of the foster care system, they're going to have a good I, idea. Does I, that make sense? I always kind of have to let myself come. Like one, I never want to just react. Okay. No matter what. No matter okay. what. Like reacting is always going to be bad, and okay. I try to like get myself to come back to this place. Of like, okay, what could be the reason behind this behavior okay. that mm-hmm. doesn't make yes. any sense? Right. Like our little, our little, our, our youngest um, at Halloween hoards candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I already know that's a, so there's something about Halloween that's a trigger for her. And so instead of being like, 
what's wrong with you? Get your act together. You need to stop doing this. Like I have to be more mindful around Halloween and birthday, like, and it's her birthday that like, there's something about that event Mm -hmm. that triggers her. Yeah. And so if you can figure out what's triggering her or triggering them, it's, it's not going to always make sense. And, and the parenting response isn't always going to make sense, especially I find it's very difficult for people who have already raised, as I talk with families in my recruiting process, yeah. those who have raised, already raised their own biological children. Right. When they get a, a kiddo from the system, like they're like, I don't understand. Like yeah. I'm a veteran parent. I've done right. this before. And it's like, you got to throw every, like you throw the manual out the window <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're dealing with a kid in the system yeah. because and that's who our audience is, you know, that's, yeah. that's who we're talking Good. to. So that's excellent. Yeah. yeah you got to like, you got to rethink, you got to, you got to not react. And I think, I think the biggest thing that has been when people are like, well, how have you found success yeah. in youth ministry for so long? I've had kiddos from the foster care system in my youth ministry, which is how I've, why I have the heart I have for it. We had a group home that would bring their kids to our youth ministry since I started. Mm -hmm. So I would have like 30 kids from a group home every week. And I brought those principles into when we became foster parents. And Mm -hmm. I brought those principles into coming here. Mm -hmm. And it's, I just don't have expectations. Mm -hmm. If you like have any type of envisionment of like, (sighs) I'm going to come into their life and they're going to all of a sudden be an all a student and they're going to go pro. And like, you have these (laughs) expectations, you're going to be disappointed. Whereas like the less expect, it sounds really bad. And it, Mm -hmm. it's like, I, I, should I have expectations? Like I did this with my, my biological children. I had Mm -hmm. expectations. Like I want them to succeed in life. And it's like, you're only letting yourself down and causing frustration on their end and your end because then you've all of a sudden set up this implicit boundary or expectation. And so like just not having expectations Mm -hmm. is, is going to set you up for a lot of success of like, Hey, like I'm just going to take it as it comes and I don't have expectations. You're going to, it's not that we don't try to set up boundaries. We don't try to teach them good lessons, but, it's more of an internal battle of like, I had this expectation of coming into this. And if I have that expectation and that expectation is not met, then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not a good parent. This isn't working out. Maybe this kid shouldn't be in our house. And that's what leads to disruption in my opinion. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you need to recognize that they have trauma, identify that yeah, and then calm down, try not to overreact. Yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, then have, have the proper expectations or lower your expectations. And those are the important keys when you've got a child in your home. And it sounds bad to like lower your expectations, (laughs) but like, that that again is less like you're not saying to them like I'm not going to my kid and being like you know what just be a you know high school dropout it's yeah. fine like yeah. that's more an internal maybe dialogue. that's a better term what would be a better term than like lower just it's just like an internal dot I don't know what it'd be it just yeah. I would just be like don't have expectations like okay if you good. if we believe like right especially as Christians like yeah. right that God is sovereign mm-hmm. my plan and my expectations don't mean anything that's excellent. like like <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Like, I think one of the greatest lessons I've learned that I've brought with me is there's this old parable, um, Chinese parable about a man and his son and a horse, right? Hmm. 
first day, horse runs away, and the whole village comes up to the old man and says, ah, look at that, bad fortune. Gods must be against you. God must, well, in our case, let's just say sure. God is yeah. against you. Exactly. Yeah. Right? We do that as Christians, like, oh, look at your life's falling yeah. apart. Yeah. <laughs> your foster kid's not being very good. God must be against you. And he goes, how do you know? The next day, the horse comes back with a herd of wild horses, which would <laughs> yeah. have meant a lot of money. Like yeah. they're going to train all these horses and sell them. And everyone's <laughs> like, look at you. You are blessed, highly favored. God is with you. And he goes, <laughs> how do you know? And then the next day, right, uh, the son is trying to train one of these wild horses and he falls off and he breaks his leg. And they're like, oh, see, bad fortune, bad luck. You, God's yeah. against you. Yeah. You must have done something. You must have sinned last night because God, God's against you now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how do you know? <laughs> and then the next day a warlord comes in and, and says, like, it starts recruiting young men. It's his only son. If he goes off to battle and dies, the family line dies. But because he had broken his leg, he can't go. And everyone's like, oh, look at you. you can't go to war. Blessed, highly favored. <laughs> and he goes, how do you know, right? This story is cyclical. It's never going to end. And right. the concept there is, like, when, when we start following Jesus, when we start fostering kiddos in Jesus' name, there are no good days or bad days. There are just surrendered days. And that's what I mean by lowering your expectations is like, you don't know, right? That's the whole parable. The point of the parable of the wheat and the weeds, right? If you don't, if you study it long enough, you actually learn that there is a type of weed in the part when Jesus is telling the story that in its, until it is fully grown, it looks identical to the wheat. Mm -hmm. So you're picking stuff out of the garden. That's his whole concept. like, you're picking up stuff out of the garden that you don't know if it's good or bad. You're deciding, you're playing God right now by mm-hmm. saying this is good and this is bad and you don't know. Mm-hmm. So let it grow up, let it do its full process and at the end, you can sort out what was good and what was bad. And yeah. so like we might by trying to have these expectations actually subvert the progress that God had intended for them to make by getting a C yeah. or struggling through oh, this thing yeah. like you know we're gonna see in in, in, a, yeah. in a class or the yeah. pork rates well and so what you're saying really is maybe just abandon those yeah. expectations maybe, yeah. maybe what you're saying is just surrender them surrender, really yeah surrender them surrender those expectations I think yeah that's the powerful message yeah there, you know so yeah so we've talked about the trauma and mm-hmm. uh, that's a big issue for for teenagers yeah um we're developing this online curriculum where we want to try to uh pull in some experts and share mm-hmm. some of these key things with with uh, foster adoptive parents. And some of the issues that we are, we're addressing are things related to the internet, social media, some of mm-hmm. those areas. And so we're wondering, you know, what what would be unique about a, a, a foster child coming into the system that, and then a, and a foster parent dealing with that issue, yeah. which every teenager, is go- every parent in the world yeah. better be on it, right? Yeah. Better be yeah. on, on this. But what about a teenager that's coming out of foster care? What would be different about that? And- I think we can't just immediately go, this is bad. Let's just, let's just avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get our teenager a cell phone because, or we're not going to let them get on social media. I, I personally want my kids to have, because I've seen it happen with my friends, I've seen it happen with thousands of students at this point, um, and even just from my own life, like when you, if you don't have a healthy respect for the, the world and how evil the world is, like it's gonna be super enticing when you're finally free. Whereas like when you come out of, when you come into 18, you're like, man, I know the world is a dangerous place and it 
and the enemy just wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything that I have, you have a, just a different respect and, and appreciation. It's not as enticing. You're not like lured into this false sense of security of like, mm-hmm. this is going to fulfill you. And, and I, I'll never forget, it, and it's a lesson I, I hold very close to my heart, I remember being over at a sleepover in like like 16, 17 um, I'll look for for one of the sports teams I played on. We were all hanging out that night and their older daughter, when, when they, we were all getting dropped, their older daughter was going out and he's like, all right, hey, just make sure you're home by midnight. And one of the moms who was a helicopter mom goes, oh, you're going to let your kid go out till, till midnight? And he goes, he goes, yeah, you want to know why? Because while she's under this roof, she's under my care. And there's nothing she can do right now that I'm powerless to stop or or help her with. But once she leaves this home, once she turns 18, I have I cannot help her. I'm powerless. And so that's really stuck with me. Is like if if my and he said if my kids are gonna make mistakes, I would rather them make the mistakes while they're under my roof and I can fix them. And so like I think we get so afraid of like letting our kids fail and letting our kids make mistakes, especially our foster kiddos. Cause like, well, the state might take my license or the state might, oh, yeah. oh, are they going to open up and like, no, like let your kid fail. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they need to, because they've been in group homes where every decision, like not only every decision I find with most of my kids on my caseload that they're either their team DCS or their group home makes every decision for them and dreams every dream for them so where are they allowed to dream and fail where are they allowed to make mistakes you know and not have the consequences be huge like like they need they need to you know be able to make mistakes Mm -hmm. while i as the dad still have power and still have the ability to like teach and coach, oh, coach and, them through it and coach them through yeah. it once they're once they leave my house i'm d- i'm done like there's yeah. no like and yeah. that's where parents i think struggle the most is like in the teenage years you are a coach transitioning yes. to counselor bingo yeah a coach right says hey you know yells across the field hey do this in practice says do this do that and like or like even like hey what went wrong there like how can we work through that whereas i need to be also prepping myself through my coaching where they go, oh man, that dad let me fail. But like, then he came and helped Mm -hmm. so that when they're adults, they come back. And that's what I've seen with a lot of my kiddos is like their parents, unfortunately didn't do that. So who's the first person they call now that they're all adults? A lot of my students, they call me still. And I'm like, you know, you could call your parents. Right. And they're like, yeah, but like, I, I trust you. Like I, I, I know you're my safe place to come work this through mm-hmm. because I've earned that right to be counselor. And as parents, we need to be giving them just enough space to earn that right to be counselor. And like my hope with my 17 year old is like, obviously like she's not going to be in my household forever. My hope though, is that like, we will be her safe place to be come back and be like, Hey dad, Justin, whatever she wants to call me at that point. Mm-hmm. Like here's the situation I'm in. And I'm be like, here's, here, Hey, here, I think, here's, I think some options. Here's what I want you to think through, but I can't be like, you need to do this. Oh, right. No. I've lost I've, I, that, that right is no longer about there. Teenagers. Yeah. Teenagers. Okay. This is very important <laughs> yeah. for teenagers. Okay. Now when you raise your child, you're going to tell them what to do. Yeah. But the teenagers, your coach. Now for my son, I, I basically, 
uh, I ask him what time you're going to come home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, communication. He's 16 years old. Yeah. Communication. But I've also told him the dangers of the internet. Yeah. I told him that, oh, the, yeah. the, 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 just the disgustingness of the yeah. internet that can happen out there. So and, I've told him all that. Now I'm just going to see, and, watch him make his decisions. Yeah. He's got to make, correct? he's got to make decisions. He's got to, I'm a big thing about, read an amazing book called Extreme Ownership. And that's mm -hmm. how I live a lot of my life. And a lot of my parenting is like, mm. hey, it's okay to screw up. Just own it when you do. Like mm -hmm. we own it when we do. When we, like when I mess up, I'm going to own it. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, dad shouldn't have talked like this. Or, hey, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm trying to model that yeah. for them so that they will then in turn model it of just like, hey, just take ownership. We live in such a culture that doesn't want to own, take ownership for anything yeah and that's an adult thing and what yeah. we're doing as teenagers is we're raising many many adults we're raising young yeah. adults yeah i believe yeah i believe we're raising young adults and so you have to show them that yeah they have to see that adult type response and, yeah uh, and we got to so. model it with our own social media behavior we have to model it with our own yes. like if we're always on our phone and they're and we're like but you can't be on the phone at the table you know, that's kind of a, that's a pretty cr conflicting that's and so like teenagers awesome. can smell out hypocrisy oh, yeah. immediately. Like yeah. there's nothing that you will lose your respect with them more than being inauthentic. Yeah. Like they can smell it like a shark smells blood in the water. The second mm -hmm. you are inauthentic, like if you're like, I never curse, I never say, you can't swear. And then, you, and then they're like, I know you swear. Yeah. Like, you know, they can smell that inauthenticity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From a mile away, right? And yeah. so yeah, that's we good. have to that's give good. them that that space like to make mistakes and make mistakes on social media, right? Like right. the consequences right now, even still as a teenager, are gonna be far less on social media than when you're an adult. Yeah. Right. Hey, maybe we send some inappropriate pictures. Right now you're a minor and you're not gonna go to jail for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, when you're and, and I'm monitoring it, or I know we're talking you, when about you're, it, and we're talking about it, we're communicating about it, and we have to leave those lines of communication open mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not like ever embarrass them or mm -hmm. or make them feel like, hey, like just tell me more about that. Yeah. Like you know, like what do you like? Our kids will say like some things that they heard, and instead of being like, where did you hear that, and like immediately trying to like children, like, hey, let's let's talk about that. Like, yeah, exactly. I do that with my if kids. If we're man. if we're not creating that safe space to have conversation, they're just gonna go to their friends to have that conversation, or they're gonna go to the internet to have mm -hmm. that conversation, and the world is more than willing to teach them or have that conversation with them much earlier than we're willing to have that conversation yeah. with yeah. them. So what you're saying is then is, is that, you know, it's don't try to shelter them from this social media. Don't try to yeah. pull it away <clears throat> allow them to experience what they yeah. would experience and then build systems where you can talk about it or, you, yeah. you know, where you can. Communication is going to yeah. be huge, right? Yeah. yeah if you, say what, yeah. Otherwise, if you don't have that, if you haven't earned that right to have open communication, open and honest communication without shame, without guilt, heaven forbid we as Christians were <laughs> graceful or gracious right. in our conversations, um, <laughs> then, then, you know, and then we can't get mad too when they like start sharing. We're like, oh man, I can't believe, like, I just want it to stop. Like you're like the outpouring of information that like is scarring my brain now, like from you, <laughs> like, oh, no. you know, but like, yeah. you know, we, when we earn that right, like that's where 
we're going to make the biggest difference versus like, if not, they're just going to go find out. Like if they have a question that they're embarrassed or feel shame or guilt to go ask you about, they're just going to find a different outlet that doesn't make them feel that shame or that guilt Yeah. or feel like, Oh, I'm going to have consequences. If I talk about this, like I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, another issue that that I just wanted to throw out, and we'll probably end with this one, but because cool. we could go forever, yeah, we I, we right? can go forever, <laughs> right? But anyway, and that is uh, just a, a a foster child that's transitioning. That's a teenager, mm-hmm. and they're transitioning to an adoptive home. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we're uh, exploring here at Christian Family Care, and and I know you guys are really, uh, you know, right on top of it as far as the SYP program, but yeah, is that there's there's a really a, a, a crisis of belief there for them. I mean, like, well, they're going to go to adoptive home. Do I want to? Is that something? How do I? And how do you transition them? And how do you help them to see if that's something they really want to do? Does that make sense? It, yeah, it's it's hard because yeah, I mean, it's hugely an issue because yeah. most of them at this point have probably had a failed adoption or two of failed oh, adoptions. Yeah. They're like, we've I've seen kiddo who like literally. Their younger youngest sibling was adopted, and 